Welcome to the Azure Security Podcast, where we discuss topics relating to security, privacy, reliability, and compliance on the Microsoft Cloud Platform. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 41. This week, we have the whole gang. We have myself, Michael. We have Gladys, Sarah, and Mark. We also have a guest this week, Abbas Kudrati, who's here to talk to us about the goings-on at Microsoft Ignite. And with that, there'll be no news because basically the whole thing is news from Microsoft Ignite. So, Abbas, welcome so much to the podcast. Uh, Would you like to spend a moment and give a little bit of background on yourself? Thank you very much for having me today here. Uh, so my name is Abbas Kudrati. I'm a Chief Security Advisor for Microsoft Epic, I'm based in Melbourne, Australia. And so glad to be here to discuss what are the new things we have from Ignite this year. Okay, to get started, the very first thing, uh, we love changing uh, and updating our services name. Uh, so again, surprise, this year as well, we have quite a few name changes. For example, uh, the top top name changes are from Azure Sentinel, which is our cloud native SIM. Now we call it Microsoft Sentinel. From Azure Defender and Azure Security Center, we call that together now as a Microsoft Defender for Cloud. From Azure Defender for IoT, now we call it as a Microsoft Defender for IoT. And last but not the least, Microsoft Cloud App Security. Now we call it Microsoft Defender for Cloud Apps. Why are we doing these kind of uh, changes or consolidating everything together under Defender umbrella? Well, first, we are making it unified because our services are not only particularly for Windows platform or a Microsoft platform. Just to give a good example, uh, Microsoft Sentinel is a cloud native sim which you can use it for not only for your on-premises for microsoft services but also for your third-party applications or or products including third-party cloud which is aws and google or any other same way uh, our uh, microsoft uh, app uh, defender for cloud which is also a cloud native security posture management or threat protection management it covers a hybrid solution as well on-premises multi-cloud multiple products as well so that way, we are making it more simplifying for people to uh, learn that everything is under Defender umbrella. Uh, that, that's the whole idea about it. All I'm going to say is, Abbas, that um, I've got to go back to the old name change there because um, I'm sure some people at least are rolling their eyes a bit about name changes, but it does make a lot of sense. But there is a reason for it, right? It is ultimately to sort of streamline some of the naming. Yeah, Absolutely. Oh yeah, it it does. It, I I joke and laugh about it, but it it is actually a really important thing to streamline, and it does make a lot of sense. Um, so so yeah, I, I know we always like to laugh a little bit about. Uh, <laughs> we love to laugh a little bit about the ignite name changes, but certainly the ones we've done this time make a lot of sense, and it is standardizing everything. So, um, but you'll you'll probably see. We'll all refer to the old names for a little bit as as normal. But, you know, if you've been following Microsoft stuff for a while, you you know how this works. This is the deal. And the, and the big one is, is Azure Security Center from my perspective. Is that is that a fair comment? As well as whenever we talk about Azure Sentinel, people you know, ask, that, oh, it only works in Azure. It, can, can I use it for other things? But now that we have made it as a Microsoft Sentinel, it makes much sense that, hey, yes, it is a, inside Azure as a service, but works for everywhere and for everything else as well. Right. And I think that's that's the important part, right? I mean, ultimately that's the most important part. These things are not just products that necessarily work solely inside of Azure. The fact that we host them in Azure is important, but they could be looking across, you know, to AWS or GCP um, and even on-prem in, in some instances. Is that is that true? 
absolutely and and with that uh, we have quite a few great announcement on uh, defender for cloud and azure and see again i go azure sentinel <laughs> defender for cloud and microsoft sentinel so sarah we would love to hear from you what are the new things we have Defender for Cloud, as, as, as we said, that's combining what was Azure Defender and Azure Security Center just into one name, which is going to be much easier uh, for folks to un like understand. But it is our um, Cloud Security Posture Management or CSPM tool and Cloud Workload Protection tool. Uh, what we're going to do now with it is it's also not just going to be for Azure, uh, hence why we took um, Azure out of the name because um, it's also going to be protecting against, uh, it's going to do this job for AWS and other clouds as well. Um, and so what that means is um, you'll be able to monitor and onboard and secure things um, from just a single place. So if you're an organization that use, uses more than one cloud, because we know people do, uh, now you can still just use uh, Defender for uh, Microsoft Defender for Cloud to do all of that. So the name change definitely makes sense. Um, so there's a lot of um, AWS things in there um, to so it can now assess AWS configurations. Um, against best practices. Um, you'll remember when it was Azure Security Center, we just had a focus on the Azure thing. So um, if you're using it um, just for Azure, but you do have other cloud environments, it's definitely worth going to revisit. Now we've had these new announcements. It's very cool. Absolutely. And I love all those new connectors we have added. I remember last year we had a very limited set of connectors, but when I looked at recently, I mean, it goes more than 30, 40, 50, I don't know, I lost the count, but that's something uh, which our customers always look for. Can we have the connector for this? And can we have the connector for that? And yeah, here we go. <laughs> we have that. Uh, one more one more important thing most of our customers are asking is, how do we benchmark, uh, uh, security benchmark for all the resources, what we have? And Mark, I really would like to pick your brain in terms of what do we have in terms of benchmarking side? This is, uh, I guess this is uh, my baby. <laughs> Um, I did a lot of work on the Azure Security Benchmark, um, uh, all the versions of it, um, and then V3 just came out. And so a couple different things. Um, the first is just you know, adding a couple of uh, industry compliance mappings to uh, PCI DSS 3.2.1 and uh, CIS controls V8 um, were added. Of course, we already have CIS 7.1 and the 853 uh, from NIST as well. Um, so that was one of the things that was added. But we actually uh, spent a little time on the structure of it. One of the things that we realized is we could get a lot more clarity out of it if we broke up kind of like the what versus the how. Um, so like, here's the principle, here's the best practice, and then this is how you apply it and uh, adapt it to Azure specifically. And so um, we we did that through every single control. Um, it led to a lot more clarity in, um, in, the, in, the, uh, in the language of each of the specific ones. And then um, we added and removed a few controls here and there. And we added a couple of uh, sort of uh, control families, I think we're calling them. <laughs> Essentially, the groupings of controls um, focused on DevOps security um, was one of them. And then um, uh, key and certificate management was another one. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to step aside because I will not challenge uh, Michael on uh, the, uh, the knowledge in that space. <laughs> well, one, one of the typical questions I've been asked in the field that uh, is Azure security benchmark or security benchmark only for Azure infrastructure or we can do benchmarking for other cloud service provider as well? 
So right now, we've, we've sort of made that first step where we can start um, going into uh, different spaces now that we have sort of the principle of what versus how to apply it to Azure specifically. And so we've got the foundation of that laid. We haven't specifically gone out and called out, you know, here's how to do this particular thing in AWS or GCP or what have you. I'm not sure if we're going to do that or not. Um, but um, that that helps um, apply these same best practices a lot easier um, because it's it's clear on which things are Azure specific and which things are what you're trying to achieve, regardless of whether it's on prem or third party cloud or Azure or whatever. But I believe we do have a CIS benchmark for AWS and GCP, if I'm not mistaken. CIS ones, yes, they do publish for multiple different cloud providers, um, is my understanding. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Just to sort of um, add a bit more. A little bit more information. So one thing that Mark and I worked on together was adding something that was is critically critically important, and that is uh, the role of server authentication. Mm. Um, it's interesting if you look at different compliance programs. Very few actually call out server authentication. If you actually look up the word authentication, it's always about authenticating the client, authenticating the user. And then even when you look at how they reference TLS, um, it's always about protection of data. Um, as it flies across the wire, so it's you know all about channel protections. Yet one of the most important services that TLS actually provides is server authentication. So we made that really explicit that you know, hey, TLS doesn't just provide channel protections; it also provides server authentication. And in some cases, it may not be the authentication mechanism you use. Right? You could use SSH, you could use IPsec, um, you could use Kerberos. You know, depending on the environment. Um, but we made sure that that was explicit um, in the Azure Security Benchmark this time around. Yeah, that's that's something that a lot of people do forget. I mean, I remember one time that there was a password synchronization uh, app or component. This was years ago. Um, we jokingly called everybody's entitled to admin. I have no idea what the original letter stood for. That uh, didn't actually do either side of mutual authentication. So I was like, you could be taking passwords from anywhere, and then you can, oh my gosh, no. <laughs> So it's uh, I love that we they added in there because it's easy to forget that because we always you know think client first. The next favorite topic these days or talk of the town these days is uh, zero trust. And when we talk about zero trust in uh, Microsoft ecosystem, one thing we always uh, touch upon is our heart of our zero trust uh, concept is a conditional access engine. Now. Microsoft is continuously working on creating lots of updates and new features and policies within conditional access, uh, uh, which is a part of our Azure uh, Active Directory. So Gladys, uh, I would love to hear from you in terms of uh, what are the new things we have as a part of conditional access. I was uh, really happy to uh, hear all the announcements uh, in uh, at Ignite. Uh, late September, uh, early October, uh, we had Daniel Wood as uh, as part of the podcast, and he hinted a lot of uh, about these announcements and uh, um, mainly. A, a, the focus uh, of uh, conditional access had been on the user side. And I liked uh, the fact that we are extending uh, further to application and device filtering, which is extending further our zero trust strategy. So some of the announcements uh, included uh, a new uh, conditional access uh, overview dashboard, um, which uh, allows uh, uh, the customer to get more insight of what is happening uh, with the different conditional access uh, policies that are, are being um, uh, implemented. There's pre-built uh, templates uh, uh, that were uh, constructed based on Azure AD uh, security best practices. Um, again, the conditional access filters uh, for application and devices, I think that that is uh, really awesome. It's a way uh, that we could start uh, 
protecting against attacks like uh, some of uh, the different things that happen, uh, especially like with the solar winds. Um, there were also uh, conditional access for uh, workload identities. And the last but not least, there were a lot of announcements regarding conditional access evaluation, which extend uh, the conditional access into each individual session itself and, and enforces the policies in near real time. A couple of things that I, I love about these, I mean, it's an awesome set of announcements, but like that continuous access evaluation, I mean, that's basically real time if your risk changes. Sorry, you just lost access to the app because you just got infected mid-session. Don't care about your token lifetime. Um, and that's, that one I love. And then the other one um, is the conditional access device filters. And you know, just to sort of link a few terms together, um, that is where you specify that not only do people you know, coming in need to be on a device that isn't infected and is compliant and blah, blah, blah. But it's actually a pre-specified device grouping. Like, hey, it's a PAW, or it's a PAW for cloud admin, or it's a PAW for on-premises admin, a privilege access workstation uh, mm-hmm. PAW. Um, so that's that's one of the things that I really like is that that, um, that feature is uh, shining out now. That feature really helps, uh, especially when you're dealing with so many third-party vendors. So for that part, I think that it is one of the very good feature. And Gladys, I also would like to, I, I read somewhere, uh, not somewhere, but actually on, on our book of news that we have a new dashboard called Policy Gap Dashboard and Template. Would you like to touch upon that? That's uh, something really interesting uh, which caught my attention. I think that's the same thing that they call the conditional access overview uh, dashboard, uh, where basically it's identifying uh, opportunities to strengthen uh, the policy based on analysis of, of the organization uh, signing pat- patterns. You could quickly uh, deploy protection uh, via templates, uh, again, constructed uh, by uh, the security best practices. Right now, uh, it's in public preview, but uh, the dashboard is, uh, is looking really awesome and providing quite a bit of analysis. When we touch upon conditional access, I mean, we cannot ignore the identity part. And I know, Mark, uh, your favorite topic, identities. I, one of the other announcements which caught my attention was uh, on our Azure AD identity protection, we have something like token theft detection. Mark, would you like to touch up on that before we move to the next topic? Yeah, I mean, just the the fact that there, it's actually been a little while since I've seen them. I had to add a new token detection. Most of our effort has um, gone into other features and uh, making sure that people are actually using MFA and using conditional access. But um, this is actually um, a new detection that they added um, to identify like suspicious activities that could indicate, hey, a token has been uh, stolen and reused elsewhere without authorization. And so it's great to see that, um, that capability built in uh, for those specific attacks. One of the most discussed area within the healthcare and many of the sensitive and government uh, environment is encryption and confidential computing. And Michael, your favorite area, uh, what do we have new updates on confidential computing at hardware and OS and database level? I mean, anyone who's listened to my ramblings in the past knows that I'm a huge fan of confidential computing. Um, so basically what this is, um, there are specific uh, VM types that support specific CPUs uh, from both Intel and AMD. We just announced recently a partnership with, actually it was beginning of the year, with with AMD. Um, and uh, more recently with Intel on some of their 
all memory encryption mechanisms. What's really nice about this is that these are basically a, a new type of DC series VM, and you can uh, take your current workloads, you know, essentially lift and shift, and put them into a virtual machine that has all memory uh, encrypted. So this is you know going above and beyond the SGX, the software guard extensions that's been available in the uh, DC series uh, of, of late. Uh, that technology is used in products like um, uh, SQL Server using always encrypted with secure enclaves, where basically the query engine is running uh, in a secure enclave. So we're sort of broadening the scope um, of confidential uh, confidential computing. Um, it's not just you know secure enclaves. Uh, we've now got you know essentially full memory encryption. Um, the encryption mechanism that's used on the Intel uh, VMs, the new VMs, is the same uh, crypto that we use in BitLocker. It's called AES-XTS. Uh, it's designed so that you can basically do random uh, random seeking, um, which a lot of uh, a lot of other ciphers you can't do random seeking. So this is actually really good to see. Uh, so again, for lift and shift, people want to have um, encrypted uh, encrypted uh, memory uh, where the keys are actually held in hardware as well, and the attackers are basically. You know, admins. Um, you know, admins both on the on the on the Azure side and on the on the uh, subscriber side. So uh, this is really great to see. So I'm just curious: anyone seeing interest from customers in like specific, you know, building their own secure enclaves or interested in VMs with 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 crypto? Is this something that we're hearing from customers? I know I am, but I do a lot of work in healthcare. So you know, I've spoken to a bunch of customers who are interested in at least learning more. Not just what is available in SQL Server, but going beyond that, perhaps even writing their own custom code. I have a few financial customers here uh, who have asked similar question for encryption at uh, various level, especially from Bangkok, Malaysia, Singapore, because I work in the APEC region. These are some of the very much uh, queries I get regularly on that. Yeah, I mean, the biggest focus I think today is still, you know, SQL Server with always encrypted with secure enclaves. That's by far the most common, and I think the reason for that is just because it's you know, it's relatively straightforward. Uh, we also have a thing called the Azure Attestation Service, um, which is to make sure that the code that you're loading into an enclave is actually the correct code. If you're familiar with setting it up manually with SQL Server on-prem, it was a thing referred to as the Host Guardian Service. It was a little bit of a bit of a pain to set up, but with the Azure attestation service, it's actually significantly easier. And I think now that we're seeing these VMs from both AMD and from Intel that give essentially all memory encryption, where the keys are stored in hardware and managed by um, you know by the VM, I think that's uh, that's going to enable certain kinds of work- workloads to be moved to Azure. I think with a lot more confidence, it's great to see. One of the next topic. Uh which is on IT, uh, sorry, IoT and OT part. What we have seen that the number of connected devices are continuously increasing and dramatically, I would say, and almost 75% of our enterprise customers today have at least 5,000 IoT devices. What does it mean that, that CISOs will be more and more responsible for managing and uh, for all those attack surfaces which are continuously increasing? And as we know that, from 12 billion total device in 2021, it's going to grow to 27 billion in 2025. So this is something and a futuristic area of uh, concern and uh, discussion on IoT and OT security. And Mark, I know this is one of your favorite topic or another baby, I would say. I really love to hear from you on that. 
Yeah, so like this is uh, this is actually really cool development. So um, for those that didn't notice, Microsoft a little over a year ago um, acquired a company called Cyberax. Great team, great set of people, great set of technology. I get to work with them uh, almost every day. And so they sort of brought this sort of core capability you need in the operational technology or ICS space, um, which is you know all the sort of really old and crusty, like up to thirty or fifty year old electronics that are like uh, controlling physical processes for manufacturing and delivery and and processing and power distribution and all that kind of stuff. And so those those OT capabilities is basically just listening on the network, doing deep packet inspection on everything that passes through, and then generating insights around, hey, there's an attack, there's a threat going on. Uh, here's the assets that are on your on your uh, network, on your environment, um, and then you know the vulnerabilities within. So that's sort of like where we started. That's been in market for about a year now. And then uh, the cool thing about this is that you know, like, that's one kind of device. And then you've got your IT devices at the other extreme, um, which is where Defender for Endpoint, Microsoft Defender for Endpoint, has been you know, bringing the, the EDR capabilities, you know, part of the XDR um, suite. And now this actually starts bridging us in the middle of those into sort of the IoT devices and you know, uh, gives us a visibility into the full spectrum. And the, 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 what they actually did was kind of in my mind, kind of cool, where they um, essentially allow the MDE agents to act as sensors and listen in on the local subnet and essentially um, provide insights on what kind of IoT devices are, you know, uh, on those subnets uh, around those MDE agents. So it's not necessarily a perfect solution in all things. Um, We're looking, you know, we've got some other technology that they're working under the hood, um, but ultimately, there um, this gives us a really good set of visibility into the IoT space and what's happening there, and uh, allows us to get closer and closer to that um, that vision of having IT, IoT, and OT all together in one place. And we, we can do that right now at the sim level with Azure Sentinel, and they added some great playbooks and some other integration there, which is awesome. It just it keeps getting better to sort of bring all those worlds together, because you know the thing that we've learned is attackers don't care. They're just they're gonna if it's got connectivity, if they can compromise it, throw some malware on it, get some data off of it. They're just gonna play their games, regardless of whatever is um, kind of a device that actually is. And so, you know, it was really great to see this kind of uh, come together. The other thing that I wanted to add is or emphasize uh, is what you said that we provide uh, the full spectrum because now we we could bring okay uh, many attack attacks are happening in the IT and then jumping onto the OT so we are giving end to end type of capabilities and this is becoming big deal especially in the US because there has been a memorandum released by the White House that about protecting uh, OT IoT and um, there's a lot of guidance that is being developed by CISA uh, DOE and TSA and other organizations. So, so there are many uh, critical infrastructure uh, uh, type of organizations that are looking for these uh, type of capabilities. And uh, this is a great capability or solution that we are providing as part of our Microsoft uh, security strategy. Absolutely. We always uh, touch upon the external threats, but uh, the insider part also is very, very important. Uh, Mark, you have anything to add from the managing the insider risk part? So the, one of the other announcements that, that kind of caught my eye that I, is, um, you know, first of all, there's some just, you know, basic extension stuff where the uh, insider risk and um, information protection effectively have been extended to macOS, um, which I thought was uh, was pretty cool. And then there was a specific 
um, addition to the Microsoft Information Protection. And you know, this is our essentially encrypted phone home solution for your sensitive data. Um, the uh, the auto classification, which has always been able to do essentially regex and static rules, um, now has the ability to do trainable uh, machine learning classifiers, um, which allows for a lot more flexibility and fuzziness in identifying sensitive data. And so I thought that was kind of a uh, cool piece on sort of the other end of the spectrum, the data end versus the IoT end. That's so many good good updates we have. Uh, I'm sure uh, our customers, anyone who is listening to this uh, podcast, you can go to our Ignite uh, page and look at the book of news. We have heaps of uh, other announcements, which due to limitation of time, we cannot cover everything, each and every features, but there are lots of other updates in each of the area of threat protection, cloud security, governance, you know, identities, and IoT, OT, as Mark talked about. Okay, well, that brings things to a close. Um, there's a lot more news that came out of Ignite. We just covered some of the high-level security aspects. Um, there's a lot of big announcements that were made. So one thing we're going to do in the show notes is have a link to a thing that's referred to as the Ignite, or the Microsoft Ignite Book of News. Um, and that will basically have everything in there. We'll also call out some of the more pertinent uh, high-level security news as well. Uh, so we'll draw out some of the links just so that you don't have to go through the Book of News and then find the links and then go to the, the appropriate sites. Yeah, and I wanted to add um, that the identity team also released a, a, a blog that summarizes everything that was released with identity, uh, which the book of news uh, kind of go a little bit into it, but uh, there's more detail in this blog. Yeah, I had a quick look at it the other day, and it certainly goes into a lot more detail. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of, you know, it's interesting, there's a lot of stuff that comes out of Ignite. It's only a, it's only a few days, um, but there's so much more depth to so much more of the material, and I think... The book of news, while I think it's a good, you know, sort of giving a high level summary, uh, it doesn't really go into the depth um, that a lot of people need to know, which is you know completely understandable. Otherwise, it'd be a thousand pages. Yeah, if I can just do one more thing. Sorry, steal my steal a little Steve Jobs technique there. Yeah, one of the other big announcements that I realized we didn't didn't cover is there's a, there was actually quite a bit of investment for smaller organizations. So obviously, all of us tend to work with the larger enterprises, but there was a uh, Microsoft Defender for Business for 300 person and smaller companies that's really kind of tailored uh, to that scenario and you know simpler, more straightforward, etc. And then there was also the, uh, I think it's called the the Defender for Endpoints P1. Um, that's also sort of you know somewhere between anti malware and uh, EDR. And so there was uh, quite a bit of investment in there. I just want to make sure that didn't get lost in all the noise. And then I do have something to add after all that because um, I've stayed quiet this episode, but or relatively quiet. As Gladys was saying, that the a lot of the teams they do write their own blogs with more details. Uh, that's also the case for all the uh, what was the Azure security products, and now it's just Microsoft security products. Uh, so if you check out all the blog posts for um, Azure Defender for Cloud, Microsoft Sentinel, oh, Microsoft Defender for Cloud, um, and I nearly nearly got it right, and Microsoft Sentinel, um, we have blog posts summarizing all the announcements. There's also um, webinars that are happening well this week and and the week we're recording this and next week um, it, obviously if you're listening to this later on uh, we post all those uh, recordings and those webinars um, to the security community webinar page so you can go listen to them afterwards if there's a particular product or something that you're interested in because as we said the book of news is great but there might be a particular thing you really want to dive into so we've definitely got all that stuff too 
All right. With all that, let's bring this to an end. Uh, Abasa, thank you so much for joining us this week. I really appreciate you taking the time. Um, know you're really busy. Uh, there's always a lot to cover with uh, with Ignite, and I would urge everyone who's listening to go and take a look at at least at the uh, the book of news. And with that, thank you so much for listening. Um, stay safe, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Azure Security Podcast. You can find show notes and other resources at our website, azsecuritypodcast.net. If you have any questions, please find us on Twitter at Azure SecPod. Background music is from ccmixter.com and licensed under the Creative Commons license. <laughs>